This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Now, I want to remind you, it's been a few weeks since we were on this, so I will have to for continuation purposes and to get us in the right frame of mind so we can get to the new information. I'm going to have to do a little bit of a review, but I want to remind you that when our pastor last spoke to us the message from God and talking about preparing, the question that was posed is, are you prepared to establish the will of God? And we heard, God spoke to us and said that, you know, we've got to be serious to establish the will of God. And we are serious when we start, continue, and finish. And so that brought us to 2 Timothy. This is the last verse actually it was used. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And brought us to remembrance of some things that God has spoken to us before uh, in a previous message that was not finished. And so, it seems like the appropriate time to continue on with it. Thank God for His timing. I know we like to have our own schedules and see things all the way through, but God makes everything beautiful in His time. Now, in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse number 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Again, I want to remind you, our pastor made the statement, uh, we are to be a ministry of finishers. And so when we come to 2 Timothy 4 and 6 through 8, we see Paul declaring, I'm a finisher. And so we wanted to use Paul and utilize Paul as an example to help us understand what's required for us to finish. So I've entitled this, I have finished my course. And we are taking this from 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, where Paul says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now when Paul talks about finishing, he is not saying he hurried up to make sure that he beat somebody else to the finish. He's not saying that I was in some kind of a race that if I didn't if I didn't finish first, then you know I'm in trouble. So I didn't care how I did it. When he talks about finishing, he he says, I completed it, and he talks about how he did it. When he says he finished, he's talking about what he did, he gave it his all. He put everything he had into it. He did it with excellence. He did it as though Christ would be pleased with him as he finished the course. And I like what he says in verse 8. Because he's been talking about himself in verse 6 and verse 7. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord of the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, 
He includes us all here. But unto all them also that love his appearing. So I would dare say that God is ministering to us all that we are called to be finishers. Now, I will... I want to relate to you as simply as I can the motive behind this teaching in particular. As simply as I can state it, I just want you to be functional. I want you to be functional. Simple as that. Whoever you are, and I will state this, in this teaching, you're here. You are here. And I say that because when we get the message from God that says that the essential work of this dispensation is to restore this generation, some people said, well, I'm not of this generation and there's no place for me. And that's not true. It's just plain not true. Someone has to do the restoring. And if you're here, you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. You're either one of the restorers or one of the ones that need to be restored. And, seeing as it is, in the midst of this teaching, that's why you have to be patient with it. You're going to find that there's a place for everybody. God has mapped this thing out. He's really mapped this thing out. And sometimes we, in our little world, in our small view, don't get the big picture. But God knows what he's doing. And I want to encourage those of you who are members of this ministry that you're not here on accident. You're here for a purpose. God has placed you here. As he has seen fit. And when we talk about these things, I want to make sure that you understand that you've got a place in God's plan. Don't discount it. Whatever that thing is. Whatever God has placed in you. Because I do believe it is God who's working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And you might, uh, we'll get into it, but you might disdain it. You may not see it as a big thing, but it's a big thing. Okay? And so when we talk about finishing, again, I want to emphasize to you when we say we're going to be finishers, it's not just to complete. It's to complete it with excellence. To do it in such a way that our King, that our Lord, that our Savior would be pleased. And if we're going to finish, this is really a simple teaching. It really is. I, I, I kept it as simple as possible, even though we, there's a lot behind the simplicity of it. If we're going to finish, we have to have something to do. We have to get started with it. We have to maintain it. And then we have to close it out. And I always have to make sure that you understand when I say close it out, you have to have it in such a good shape that it can continue on without you. Why do I say that? Because... As valuable as you are, as important as you are, as critical to God's plan as your task is, you're not all that. There's something greater. There's something bigger. You're part of a great plan. You're a critical piece, but there's a plan that's bigger than you. And so it really is very simple. You have to have something to do. You have to get started doing it. You have to maintain it. And then you have to close it out. You have to have it in good shape to continue on without you. But what, it is, what is it that we need to finish? We need to finish our course. But I'll say it this way. 
He doesn't say our course. He says my course. And I want to make sure that when you take notes, you write it down this way. My course. We are to finish my course. You are to finish your course. So when you write your notes, make it personal. I am to finish my course. So what is my course? My course is a task given to me by God. My course. If you can get into the mind of God, which he allows us to from time to time. My course in God's mind is the thing that must be done. You, you know, I believe God sees all the things that are able to be done and he's pieced out, yeah, but there are things that must be done. I liken it to when Jesus went through Samaria. And the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria. And I'll have you to know, it's not because there weren't other routes. He was talking about purpose. And the whole region was turned upside down. Because the thing that must be done was handled by the Lord. And now, when we have our course, my course, in God's mind, it's the thing that must be done. This task that he's given me is the thing that must be done. My course is God's will concerning my life. Hallelujah. It's God's will concerning my life. A lot of people have opinions on what you ought to do, what you ought to be. Boy, you got some lungs. You need to be, a, you know... Let's find out what God's will is concerning our lives. It, what we do, because you've got to be very careful. In this society, we're so money-minded. So we see big bucks when we see what we call talent. We need to slow down as believers and make sure we are in line with God's will concerning our life. My course is the ministry of God that I am called to work. It is the ministry of God that I am called to work. Not necessarily the ministry of God that I'm called to profit off of. It is the ministry of God that I am called to work. I've got to take my time with this. I really do. I really didn't mean to make, uh, take this time in this portion, but I've got to because there's just so much misrepresentation of God and His plan. That too many people finding things they can profit off of that are religiously based and they claim it as their ministry. But it's not the ministry that God has called them to work. And it's not the will of God concerning their life. I don't care what you call it. You know, I heard Mr. Castile this morning talk about God-given gender. You call yourself whatever you want to. That doesn't mean God is in line with it. I mean, God's okay with it. You go into a business, you put God's name on top. It doesn't, God's not obligated to be with that. And so we have too many people thinking that, hey, if, if it's not great, if it's not grand, if I can't make money off of it, it's not the ministry of God. We've got to be better than that. My course is my God-designated path. God designated it for me. And last but not least, in all honesty, this is probably, in my mind, very critical. My course includes my purpose. And we all have the same purpose. 
We are to be like Christ. We are to put Him on and walk in Him. We are to have His character. We are to be the light of the world. We are to be the salt of this earth. That's all of our purpose. And whatever your course is, it will not exclude your purpose. That's why I have to say that about people and what they call their ministry. Yeah, but they live in foul. So no, no, as long as you're living foul, trust me, you're not on course. Now, there might be other things that I would like to do. There might be other things that are right to do. But everything's not the critical thing God has called me to do. The thing that God considers must be done. And one of the examples we looked at was when there arose a murmuring in the early church about the passing out of food. And they went to the elders and the elders said, you got a food problem? We're not handling it. You do that nowadays, people will get very mad at you. But they explain, you're like, I, you know, there are a lot of things that are right to do. A lot of things that can be done, but that's not our course. And it wouldn't be right to divert from the thing that must be done that God has given us to take care of table. Certainly, there are those among us that we could trust with this. And can I give this to you? Because this is going to be important as we go forward. This was their preparation. See, but they couldn't be prepared if they weren't on purpose because they said, we need to find people who are born again, full of the Holy Ghost, who lived right before other people and got some wisdom. And then we'll appoint them. But as for the elders, they said, we know the course God has given us individually. And we've got to stick with that course. Let me tell you this, church. I don't care what other churches are doing. They might be establishing apartment buildings. They might be opening up credit unions. They might be opening schools. But I want to let you know, if God hasn't called us to do it, we shouldn't repeat what they're doing. Because God forbid God hasn't called us to do it, and we divert attention from the thing that must be done to things that look right to do. Now, I say all this to also get you to this point. So here the elders are. You say you want to take away from the course God has given us, which benefits you, to take care of serving tables. Always consider, if you're not on purpose, if you're not following what God has called you to do, you are putting other people at a disadvantage. People who shouldn't be so stretched get stretched because of you. You being on course and finishing your course, that helps somebody else not be diverted. You know, I believe one of the biggest problems that we have in the modern day American church is that we put so much stuff on the past. That if it's going to be done, it's going to be done by the past. And we don't consider that we're not the one who gives our pastor the designated path. But we expect our pastor to answer our call. To give us what we want when we want it. We expect them to be there. 
when in all honesty, we are at fault for not stepping up, being on purpose, being in tune with the will of God, seeing the needs of the ministry, and meeting the needs of the ministry ourselves. And what would happen, again, I want, I want to put you in this frame of mind, if those elders had to take up their time, because you know, some pastors are smart, they don't care about pleasing you. But a, a lot of other pastors are under pressure. And they love you so much, and they want to make sure that you're, that you're, that you're taken care of. You know, and it's, it's morally the good thing to do. And so they're put at a disadvantage, and they're working hard. My goodness. You know, this is why pastors don't only pastor, but work secular jobs. And then you've got congregations who get mad when the pastor doesn't take care of their needs. They're tired. And what ends up happening is your pastor can't minister effectively to you because you are not functional. All I want you to be is functional. And what happens is, once you're functional, that much less is put on the pastor and that much more focus can be put on the thing that must be done and you find a difference in the ministry. And you get ministered to in such a way you didn't know was possible. And all God was waiting for was for you to be functional. And make sure you remember, everybody doesn't have the same course. So don't just try to do what somebody else is doing. Do what God has for you to do. Do what you understand God has instructed you to do. Because he's called you to do it. Now, here's one of the things that you have to understand. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. But what happens is sometimes we find that somebody is doing something God has called us to do. But don't you know there's room enough? You know, one of the things I love about this ministry right now is is I I love the ministers. You know, God has called us to do this, and we're not the only ones doing it. But I'm not trying to be like Minister Stinson, because I can't do it the way she does it. I'm not trying to be like Minister Hastings, because I can't do it the way he does it. I can't be like Minister, I can't do it the way she, I can't be like Minister, I can't do it. I have to be me. And God has called you to do whatever it is he's called you to do. And I don't care if someone else is in a position like that. They can't do it like you do it. And that's what God wants. So don't be worried about that. Now, now I, I, I mentioned that as a minister. I mentioned that. But I want to make sure you understand every call isn't a call to the pulpit. <laughs> every call isn't a call to be known. Every call isn't a call to have your name written some calls, I hear Matthew, I hear the Sermon on the Mount. Some calls are just calls that God sees in secret. But he rewards you in the open. You know, here's what I love about God rewarding in the open. Sometimes people don't know you're being rewarded. But it doesn't matter because you're rewarded. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, because that person that you prayed for, they got out. And you don't go and publish, you got to praise them out. But you got your reward. And that was what, if that was a motivation, who cares if they know that your prayers were behind it? And so it is with your course. And so uh, this is some things, you, you know, in times past we taught some of these things in detail, or I taught some of these things in detail, and I want to make sure, that's why I say don't rush me. There's some things that we need to go back over. 
I'll mention some specific examples. Your course might be a course like Jesse's. We don't know much about Jesse, but we know his son David. If all God called you to do is raise that child of yours, raise that child of yours as if it was the thing that must be done. Do you think Jesse knew when he was raising David that he was raising a king? I guarantee you he didn't know. Because when the prophet came, guess who was missing? <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes we get ahead of God, right? Just like, oh, I raised these, these boys. And I, I see this. God's like, no, no, no. You just do what I called you to do. I got everything else under my plan. You think you know. You don't know. Just obey. But Jesse raised David. Your course might just be like that. Oh, you know, sometimes you have to say things like this because what we have is we have parents who are distracted looking for something other than what's right there in front of them. In your own house with you. God has called you to focus on that child. To raise that child. Amen. Your course might be a course like Joshua's. Joshua, now again, we know him on this side. But when Joshua was in the ministry, when he started, he was a servant of Moses. Moses, are you comfortable? Moses, are you parched? You need some water. You need your car warmed up. And I guarantee you, there are a bunch of other people in the ministry saying, I, 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 I know who's going to be the next in, in line. They weren't thinking Joshua. But I guarantee you, what Joshua did, he did it as if it was an excellent Christ-like thing. So he had no idea when he was serving to Moses that God had tapped him to lead them into the promised land. And here's the thing about it. This is what I like about it. You don't know what's coming. You stay where you are and you do the best you can do where you are. Let God handle the rest. See, because first of all, you've got to be on purpose. Once you're on purpose, then God has a talent pool. Amen. Don't let the talent pool of God run dry. Your course might be a Joseph-like course. Now, people don't like this one. Again, we know Joseph on this side. But Joseph wasn't liked by his family. Joseph was sold into slavery. He lived a hard life. Joseph was put in the prison. Joseph was forgotten in the prison. But in all of it, don't you know, God was with him. Because he was with God. And again, nobody was thinking about that. And again, as much as Joseph had a dream... He didn't know what was coming. Oh, thank God. You know, in Joseph's, I'll call it promotion, you know what God was doing? He was redeeming his people. So, so many times in our hard times, Joseph wasn't sitting there saying, God, get me out of this. If you really are God, get me out of this situation. He said, well, God, if I'm here, let me learn what I need to learn and let me shine while I'm in this. Let me show forth your glory while I'm in it. 
while so many of us are trying to run from hard situations, Joseph's like, well, God, you're faithful no matter if the time is good, easy, bad, or hard. Are you in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1? I'll mention this name. Your course might be an Onesiphorus-like course. Verse 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Again, I like this because on this verse, you mentioned that name. Like, who? Did he write a book? He didn't write a book in the Bible? It's not like that. God had someone who needed refreshing. And on this verse was on his course. You don't need to be behind the pulpit. Your name doesn't have to be in lights. You don't have to have a, your name before ministry and some... It doesn't need to be that at all. Just do what God has called you to do. And let God take care of the rest. Now, you're in Second Timothy. Yeah, we're going to spend some time in Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Now, I read this to this extent. If this is a thing that must be done, you're not going to stop God's plan by not cooperating. He's going to abide faithful. So if your course was to be a Jesse-like course, but now your children are admiring and being inspired by somebody else, God is faithful. Oh, let that simmer a little while. You're getting mad because someone else has the influence over your child. In all honesty, if you won't be faithful, God is going to be faithful. Hallelujah. One of the things that, that does get me, because I, I do believe this, and I could be wrong, and just take it or leave it, but I do believe this. I believe that there are people who are members of this ministry, who should be working their ministry, who should be where I am right now. But they're not. And I believe some people get mad. And I will be honest with you, I really don't care. But instead of getting mad at somebody for being in a position you should have been in, God's faithful. That's the end of it. When you have your conversation with God, and you lay it out before God, you're going to hear this at the end of it. God's like, if you're not faithful, I am. And where would you be if I wasn't faithful? See, that's turning your morning into dancing. See, if I wasn't faithful, I'd be done with you. But he's not. Glory to God. I just want you to be functional. And also, remember, your course, just like we said, you being on course helps other people out. 
your course is dependent on other people being on their course. See, because when Christ ascended upon high, He led captivity captive. And He gave gifts unto men. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For your perfecting. For the work of the ministry. For your edifying, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come unto the unity of the faith. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, when our pastor's on course, we all benefit. I'll have you to know right now, if we didn't have pastor on course, I wouldn't be on my course. I can say that unequivocally. And I believe if I were to take a poll of all those who are working their ministry, they'd have to say the same thing. I didn't know what was in me. I didn't know there was a course I needed to worry about. I didn't know God wanted me in the service. So someone else is waiting for you to be on course. Amen. I'm telling you, God's got this all mapped out. He really does. Now, in order to finish your course, we have to have something to do. And something to do comes under God's sovereignty. I've got to say that over and over again. Pastor knows that you've got a course. Pastor doesn't know what your course is. Unless God says, this is their course. But I have you know, most of the times that won't be the case. And if pastor does know, it's going to be in confirmation of what God has already spoken to you. And when God gives you something to do, here is, here is where you can pretty much, well, let me say it this way. When God calls you to do something, most of the times you won't feel so comfortable entering into it. You'll be like, me? <laughs> Here's what you got to remember in those times. His grace is sufficient. Because, <laughs> again, here's the other thing you need to remember. You ain't all that. <laughs> he wasn't looking for someone. Who's all that? Oh, you're all that. No, no, no. He's looking for his talent. Who's on purpose? Who's on purpose? Because if you're on purpose, I can trust you with my grace. His grace is sufficient. You just have to be faithful. That's all you got to be. You just have to be faithful. And the only ambition you should have here is to please God fully. Let me say that again. The only ambition you should have here is to please God fully. I say that because in the church, we get in our own environment and we start admiring and desiring certain positions. God, I, I hope you call me to this. In all honesty, your only ambition should be to please God fully. I even like how Paul deals with Timothy about those who desire to be a bishop. He said they desire good work. He didn't say they can be one. Your only ambition is to be, to please God fully. And whatever it is. So when the elders in the early church said, hey, seven men. Born again, full of the Holy Ghost, a monetary report, men of wisdom. When they called them, 
They couldn't get up there and say, you know what? I hope this, this is the road to my promotion. No, no. The only ambition had to be, oh, we're gonna, this is going to be the best table serving service any church will have ever known. Why? Because we want to please God fully. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. If we could get the church to get to that place. Stop looking to please men. Start looking to please God. When God is fully pleased, see, when a man's way is pleased the Lord. Hallelujah. We so often want to please those who look like they're in charge. But there's only one authority. That's why we call him God. <laughs> we just need to please him. I, I, I hear David dealing with Saul. Saul looked like he was in charge, but David said, I'm going to please God. And guess who came out on top at the end? The one who pleases God. Your only ambition, don't look for a certain position, look to please God in whatever it is that is in your hands. Please him fully. Because I can't give you what God has called you to do. I can't give you something to do that's in God's sovereignty. But whatever it is that is in your hands, make your ambition to fully, fully, fully please God. You know, that keeps you out of trouble. So we have to get started if we have something to do. And in order to get started, I told you that there is, well, I told you, God has told us, before we can get started, we've got to be prepared. There's pre-start, there's preparation that has to be done. Here we are, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse, mm. oh my goodness, let's just read verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. That's a powerful scripture. I, I, for a second time, I'm not going to read everything before, but I want to tell you this. He's saying, now, now if you just be on purpose. If you just follow after righteousness. If you don't get caught up with those things that really don't matter. If you just be on purpose. That's what he means when he says that a man therefore purge himself. If you purge himself, if you purge yourself from all those things that keep you off of purpose, you shall be a vessel unto honor. Sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared. Prepared for what? Unto every good work. Uh, do, you, do you hear God deal with us right now? I just need a talent pool. And if you be prepared, you're prepared for whatever work I can give you. Oh, I, this, this, this is so important to me. Preparation begins before you have something to do. You just know there's a next coming. Oh, stay, stay with the Holy Spirit. There is a next coming. Well, I wonder what's next. All I know is you need to be prepared. How do I get prepared? Be on purpose. If you be on purpose, 
You'll be a, a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Whatever comes next, you got it. Amen. Don't worry about what's next. Worry about the preparation. So here you are. You don't know what's coming next. You and your mom might think, I don't even know what now is. Give yourself the purpose. Now, I'm telling you, everyone's going to find themselves in this somewhere. Because I do want to motivate people to be productive. I really want people to be productive. When I say functional, I want you to be productive. But before you can get to productive, you've got to start somewhere. And so there might be people who are uh, new to the ministry. And when you come in, this is your verse. You are in preparation through purpose. We're showing you Christ. We're showing you how Christ walks. We're showing you the things that please Christ. Give yourself to that. You might see other people doing things that seem as though they're more substantial, but they're in their spot. They're on their section of their course. Your section of the course is the preparation work. Now, I will have you to know this. The motivation behind this really is those, are those people who've been here too long to not have their hands on the work of ministry. What's too long? You know what it is. You know how long you've been here. You know how many times you've been through new member perfection class. You know how many times you went through able ministry of the new covenant class. You know how many times you should have, but you didn't. And let me say this. Wow. We've got people all along the road. We've got people at the start. We've got people at the finish. We've got people somewhere in the middle. And some of those people who are at the start should have been at the finish. But don't get discouraged, start. And some people who are in the middle should have been at the finish, but don't get discouraged, continue. And there are some people at start who ought to be at start. Start. You see, there's a place for everybody. No matter what's your story. No matter what's going on with you. No matter if you're behind or you're right on schedule. You're in here somewhere. We don't enter into the body of Christ being productive. We've got to be prepared to be productive. You have to first give yourself to purpose. That is to be like Christ. And at that time, you're the student. You're solely the student. That's all you're supposed to be when you first enter in. But there comes a time when new students come in. <laughs> and they look around for somebody to show them the way, and they see you. You know, I'm laughing because I, I recall to myself when I first, I've been on my job for a long time. That's all I can say. A long, long time. But I remember, I actually remember the first day walking into the workplace. I remember who met me there. I remember talking to them and them telling me how long they'd been there. I'm like, wow. You've been there how long? And I passed that a long time ago. But at that time, I was amazed. Like, you've been there that, that long? And I guarantee you, it wasn't two or three years later, People look at me like, uh, show us the way. 
<laughs> what? But there comes a time when the student ought to be the teacher. Now, I'm speaking to some people who, are, who know nothing better but to be the student. And I'm talking to some people who should have been to teacher level, who aren't there yet. God's not done with you. God's not through with you. Now, you can sit there, you can pine about what you didn't do, or you can get up off of your derriere, and you can get on the right path and get on God's plan. I present before you this day, life or death, blessing or cursing, I'm going to tell you, choose life. Now, in order to be prepared, here's, 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 this is really, this is for everybody, but again, in my mind, this is for those who are behind where they ought to be. In order to be prepared, this is what we concentrate on. You need to settle those issues. There are things that you've allowed to stand in the way between you and advancing in the will of God. You've got to settle it. You've got to settle it. Get rid of the things that are weighing you down. Again, this is for everybody. See, we've got to lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Each and every one of us has to do this. But some of us have held on to our weights way too long. We refuse to pass judgment on those things that should have been passed judgment on some time ago. We've allowed them to keep us in a position when we should have left a long time ago. This is getting rid of the things that interfere. Getting rid of the weights is a requirement. It is a must. And it's going to require some self-assessment. You've got to be honest about your life. You've got to be honest about the things that you're allowing to get in the way of you doing. Here's the thing about it. When you've been called by the ministry, you've been asked of the ministry to, to step up, why didn't you? Somewhere along the line, there are weights that kept you, prevented you, you say, from being fully invested. Wow. I guess i got to go here. 1 Samuel, chapter 16. You know, I was trying not to go to this scripture. Somehow it just keeps coming up. 1 Samuel, chapter 16. Verse 1, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long, how long, how long, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go, go, go. You hear God talk to the prophet here? He said, you know what? I got something for you to do. And you're not doing it. How long? How long? You expect me to wait? Because I ain't waiting. See, because when you're not faithful, I am. And sometimes we're not faithful because we've stayed where God said, I've moved past that a long time ago. But we stayed right there with it. We said, we're, it's going to be revived. God said, I'm not reviving that thing. You're up here, but I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, and God said, now if you would just take your time and listen. How long? 
Go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, because Jesse's on purpose. For I have provided me a king among his sons. See, he has given me a talent pool to work with. And though this present king is not cooperating with me, I abide faithful. And there's a thing that must be done. Are you going to do it? That was, that's God's question to Samuel. He's saying, now, now how long? Because I'm going to get it done with or without you. <laughs> and there's no doubt. Samuel said, you know what? That's, that's long enough. God, you, you said the word. That's all I need. Let me move forward. I hear God saying that to some of us. How long? How long? You've been waiting on this individual for how long? They haven't come through all this time. Years have passed. You had no gray hair on your head. Now look at you. Children were babies. Now they're working with you. How long without mourn? God said, Go. I've already got another work lined up. You know, here's the thing about it. it's not that God didn't love Sam, God didn't love Saul. God loved Saul. God cared for Saul. God wanted the best for us. God wanted more for Saul than Samuel wanted for Saul. That's why one of the things we said is we need to learn to divest. See, because we put pour so much of our life into things that aren't going to change. And we keep pouring our life into these things that aren't going to change, waiting for them to change, and they keep disappointing. Yeah, but this next time, God is like, how long? Cut your losses. You poured enough of your life into it. Cut your losses. Make up in your mind there's some things you can live without. Make it up. Because here's the thing about it. You've been living without it all this time. You've just been delayed. Hallelujah. You missed that, didn't you? You've been living. You've been living a miserable life, but you've been living. Here's what I hear God say. I hear God say, you need to make up in your mind, I've cried my last tear over this situation. I'm done with the headaches. I'm done with the worries. I'm done, I'm done with the consuming thoughts. I'm done with the sleepless nights. I'm closing this chapter. I'm moving forward with God. I've been doing bad all this time, forsaking the will of God. I'm giving myself over to Him. You've got to be done with it. Our God. You've got to make it up in your mind, I'll be alright without it. I'll be alright without them. I'll be alright without Him. I'll be alright without her. I'm not even going to check up on them. Hallelujah. If you ever want to stop following somebody, now's the time. I'm going to stop asking about them. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. God knows who he's talking to. You invested so much in this, so much in that, so much in this dream, so much in that endeavor, so much in this individual. And God has been standing there saying, how long? How long? See, and sometimes when God speaks, it just gets me what he says. How long? 
That's God talking. How long? You can hear the weariness in his in the words. How long? Settle it. This has been a wait for you. You've allowed it to keep you in a place you should have advanced from. You haven't started it because you've been waiting on this wait. Settle it. You got to make it up in your mind. I'm through putting any more, any more into it. And that's got to be established in the heart. You got to establish in your heart, because if it's not in your heart, the example we used was a rich young ruler who ran to Jesus. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, "Don't talk to me about the about the." uh, uh, the law, because I've done the law. Jesus like, yeah, 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 but something's got your heart. Oh, what an example. Something's got your heart. He said, now, now, I need you to sell what you have. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. He just identified the way. You have counted your pursuit of riches as more valuable than what I have for you. So in other words, you forsake eternal life for that thing. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you did. See, he points those things out. Like, what? No, no, no. no. You put this thing before God. You put this thing before what God has for you. You put this thing before God's plan. But you sit up here and say, oh, yeah, now, now I'm remembering the message that God gave us or our pastor. You're not serious. I am. If you don't get started, you're not serious. But, but this, see, see, that's your weight. You need to settle it. You need to get rid of it. I don't, no, no, it's in your heart. We're not talking about the individual. <laughs> We're talking about how you are tied to that thing. As though you can't go on without it. Paul learned to count some things as losses. He said, all these things that had my heart, I count as but dung. I found something more excellent. I found something more excellent. And I will have you to know, these things don't feel good, but you got to take the step. you got to make the move. After you settle the issues, then you can take aim. What do I mean by take aim? This is where you make Jesus the light of your life. This is the best way to say it. You make Jesus the light of your life. You fall in love with him. Amen. You fall in love with him. You pursue him. You make him your one and, your one and only. You make him the apple of your eye. You set your affections there. You fall out of love with the weight that kept you back. You fall into love with the Savior who gave his life for you. And I don't know about you, but on Wednesday night when we entered into Matthew chapter 6, don't you hear this? Don't you hear? He says, why are you worried about doing alms before men? 
focus on the kingdom. When you pray, why are you worried about other people and pressing other people when all you need to do is focus on, take aim at pleasing the king, God your father? Why is it that you are concerned about fasting and looking like you fast before men when all you need to do is take aim, focus on, why don't you worry about pleasing your heavenly father? And then he goes on to say, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust, rust corrupt. Thieves break through and steal. Lay up for your treasures not before men. Lay up for your treasures things in heaven. See, you don't hear that? That's what I hear. I, I, I hear the king tell us, you need to set your aim. Take aim on the kingdom. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to, be, what you're going to drink, wherewithal you shall be clothed. All the Gentiles, all the heathen worry about these things, but seek ye first. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. Take aim. Don't let that be a weight for you. Don't let what people think be a weight for you. Don't let impressing people be a weight for you. Set your affection. On things above. I'm telling you. I am married. And I would dare say, my wife would say, you can only have one wife. <laughs> and if she were to ask me, I'd tell her, you can only have one husband. Hey, I can't have you with a boyfriend. You can't have me with a girlfriend. It doesn't work. For, this is an exclusive relationship. See, because I'm clearing the way. I'm getting rid of the interference uh, so that I, there's no more black books. There's no more me following after somebody else on social media. There's no more me with somebody else's number in my phone. This is an exclusive relationship. Because as soon as I can get them out the way, as soon as you can get those others out the way, we can focus one on them. And the more I fall in love with you, the less I care about all the other stuff. See, all this is preparation. Now, if you settle issues, if you take aim, then it's time to get instructions. And without instructions, we said, the best you can do is be a poor imitation. And I, I really do believe this. I believe this is where a lot of our, you know, you, you want to be nice. I'm not, I'm not trying to think of how to be nice. But we've got people who call themselves preachers who ought not be preaching. And I believe they're imitators. I believe they wanted to try to emulate somebody else's success. And step behind the pulpit. Oh, I, I want to call names, but I won't. And you know what I do? I pray for them. My desire is that they get it right. Why? Because people are hearing them. People are listening to them. They're influencing people who call themselves believers. But at the same time, you know, my prayer is this. I pray they get it right. If not, move them out the way. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just like that. And I believe God is like that. 
Yeah, one of the things that encourages me is when I see Nehemiah pray. You got to see Nehemiah's prayers. Nehemiah is like, God, don't receive nothing from them. <laughs> like what? <laughs> but hey, God's like, yeah. And sometimes it's going to have to be like that because some people just are refusing to get in line and causing a problem for others. And this is why we are on you about getting instructions. Not going off half-baked. You need instructions. We've got so many people so excited, and we want that excitement. We wish we could just ball up that excitement while you wait on instructions. Because if we can get that excitement combined with instructions, oh my goodness, we got it going on. But too many times what people do is when they're called to wait on instruction, they just lose all the excitement. Hey, don't drop that. No. It's, you know, you've got to have this mentality. Oh, man, I'm getting instructions. All this stuff that's been boiling up in me, all this stuff that's been shut up like fire in my bones is about to come out. And it's going to come out effective. And make sure you understand this. About preparation. Because after preparation, then you can get started. I want you to understand this. Preparation gets started before you know what to do. But after you know what to do, you keep doing what you did in preparation. <laughs> this is an ongoing process. And that means no matter how long you've been at it, you haven't been at it long enough not to get instructions. <laughs> Amen. Okay, how long you've been doing it, you can still receive instructions. And it doesn't always have to come from somebody who's older than you. It doesn't have to come from somebody who's been in your area as long as you've been or longer. It could be somebody brand new God speaks through. But you don't know enough to go forward without getting instructed. And you're not so seasoned that you don't need any more instruction. And then, here's where we left off. You know, it took me a while. I told you don't rush me. And I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was so good. That's why I love Church of Living Water. Alright, so you've gotten all the preparation done. You've done, you've done the pre-work. Right? You're now prepared unto every good work. You've given yourself unto purpose. You've settled the issues. You've taken aim. You're taking focus. Again, let me remind you. And we'll, we'll get there, but after you get started, you don't stop the preparing. Well, sometimes you have to say those things. Because some of us, we think we get an assignment, we can stop everything else we were doing before. Now I've arrived. No, that's not the case. It's time to get started, all right? You got everything in order. It's time to get started. Look at this in First Timothy. First Timothy. Chapter 1. So, the word for the day is move. Move. M-O-V-E. Move. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus... Oh, I, I like this. Again, let me take my time. I, 
You know, I say don't rush me. I'm really talking to myself. <laughs> this brother needs all the help he can get. Sometimes he talks to himself. Act like he's talking to you. Oh, really? No, I'm talking to myself. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, do ye hear? Here is Paul addressing Timothy. And what has Timothy gotten? Timothy has gotten instructions. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. It's one thing to receive instructions. A lot of us have gotten instructions. We're no different from Paul with Timothy there. But Timothy moved. Amen. As I besought thee to abide still, to abide still, to abide still. That's a word that will come up later, maybe not today. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. I like that. Even though it's in italics, I like this. So do. I love it. I really do. In other words, Paul has already given Timothy the instructions. So this is nothing new to Timothy. Timothy's like, yeah, I do this. But Paul said, you know, yeah, you've got instructions. I know many a church member who has instructions. But they left off these two words. So do. And we go off, we rejoice. we got instructions. I go to church of living water. We are word up. Oh, can they teach? Let me tell you what they taught us. But here's the punchline. There's no do. So Paul is like, hey, I, I, I know what I'm dealing with here. I know church folk. We got a lot of note takers. Message listeners. We got a lot of people who say amen. Got a lot of people who say say it. But do we have doers? Do we have those who move? Luke chapter 17. When I say move, I mean perform. When I say move, I mean do. Luke chapter 17. Verse 11 through 14. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Don't you see it? Don't you understand it? They couldn't just stand there. They had to go. And as they went... When they put actions, their actions, behind the instructions that they were given, then they were cleansed. And so we came to this conclusion. The blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. Not in the notes review, and you ought to review. <laughs> not in the taking notes, and it's good for you to take notes. But the blessing is not there in your lap. The blessing is not there on live stream of Facebook. <laughs> the 
the blessing is not there when you go to whatever instrument you use to go and watch whatever it is that you watch that has the word contained in it. The blessing is when that word gets in you and you move. Now remember, we've heard it. There are people who get started. Not everybody does. <laughs> so we just weeded some people out. There are those who talk a good game, but haven't done a thing. The blessing is in the obedience, not in the contemplation. And having the instruction is good. It is necessary. It is necessary. But unless you move to the next step, it does you no good. We'll probably finish up here. First Kings chapter 18. I have not finished review, but that's okay. First Kings chapter 18. But I believe it will help us move smoothly into next week. First Kings chapter 18. Verse... Ooh. Wow. Uh, let's start at verse 19. First Kings chapter 18, verse 19. Now, therefore, send and gather to me, this is the prophet Elijah talking, all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. So Ahab sent unto some of the children of Israel. No, no, no. He sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answer him, not a word. Because this was a question. Now, if the blessing is in the obedience, why don't people get started? Why don't people move? Elijah had this question. You know what Elijah was saying? He was seeing them trying to have their cake and eat it too. It would be like they went to church every Sunday. But all that the world was doing, they did Monday through Saturday. And he said, now, wait a minute now, something's not right here. Either he's God or he's not. If he's God... Then proclaim him to God and serve him. If he's not, leave him alone. And remember, all the congregation of Israel, all the children were there, and they answered not a word. And it wasn't because they weren't standing around. What did he say? We don't have good acoustics at Mount Carmel. We don't understand what he said. No, they understood fully what he said. 
But they came to the same place that the rich young ruler was brought to by the Lord Jesus Christ. Something had their heart. They were torn. And I'll have you to know this. There's no doubt in my mind. Especially if you study behind Baal. They thought that Baal was responsible for some of their successes. And so they saw what they thought they had from Baal and the God they were playing with. See, they weren't serious. And they said, now, if we turn totally to God, we might lose out on what Baal is. God us. So they were afraid. These things we've been taught. It was fear that paralyzed them. Why would you be afraid to pronounce God as God? Because you don't believe he is. You don't believe he is. Now, we're going to have to come to a conclusion some, one way or another. You haven't moved. But you associate yourself with Christianity. And the question is, why haven't you moved? Well, Elijah found out these people hadn't moved because they didn't believe God was really God. first thing we need to settle is that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him I said one last scripture Hebrews chapter 11 don't rush me <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 we've we got to settle this this has got to be part of our settling he is God he is faithful he comes through I like you know Balaam was a false prophet but, oh, but did he give the truth of the word he said, God is not a man, that he should lie. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? We've got to come to this conclusion. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. These things we need so that at the time that we drop the weights, as we... Leave those things that we thought we trusted in behind. We have to be convinced like Moses was convinced. I'd rather suffer with the people of God because I know his reward than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of disobedience even for a season. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Because let me tell you about faith. Faith says... I'm going to come to God because I believe that he is. Not only that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have a lot of people who come to church who believe that there is a God. That was not their issue at Mount Carmel. They had many gods. They thought Baal was the big God. And so they had other gods along with Baal, but they thought Baal was the big one. <laughs> we got many people who come to church and... Use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Talk about God the Father, but they believe that their job is it. They believe their bank account is it. They believe their spouse is it. They believe their child is it. They believe that there's a God. But they don't believe He is. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because let me tell you about faith. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, 
moved. Get started. He moved with fear. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Do you see? He was brought to a decision point. You haven't, you've only heard through God that this thing could happen. Haven't seen it transpire before. And now you have a choice to make. Do you stick with what you think you know? Or go with what God has told you? Now, he could have been afraid and said, Oh, I, I've never heard of that stuff before. Let me stick with what I think I know. Where would he have been? Condemned with the world. But because he believed that God is, he was saved. Him and his house. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved of fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. He moved. And he went out not knowing whether he went. Did you see their faith? Oh, did you see their faith? No, I heard it this morning. Did you see their faith? He moved. That's his faith. I'm sorry. That's his faith displayed to you. Did you see Abraham's faith? When he was called by God, he obeyed. You just saw his faith. I can't see your faith if you do not obey. I can't see your faith if you do not move. And let me tell you this. I've held on to this for I don't know how long. If anything is true, if anything is valid, there will always be evidence. The absence of evidence signifies there might be an absence of what you think is true. I believe that he is, but you haven't moved. You haven't obeyed. I'm out of time. God most certainly is not. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.